Well, welcome to The Walrus and the Carpenter. My name is Jason Alligan. I'm the teaching pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and with me, as always, is the Dr. Reverend Gary Gear, THM, D-Men, D-Edmen, MD, PhD. How's it going, Gary? You, uh, wow. <laughs> I was going to do a quote from the Mighty Quinn by Manfred Mann and the Earth Band, but you just kind of blew all that out of the water. So, And hardly any of that's true, by the way. Just pointing out to our listeners out there, Jason is shoveling, as they would say. How are you doing, man? Hey, and I'm, you, and you've, I'm well. We, we, we've been on, on hiatus for a bit. Jason had a month's sabbatical. Uh, so how are things down in Acapulco? They're good. They're good. Um, my My Spanish is not as strong as I would like it to be, but... Is that why I got the call for the bail money? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's what what happens in Acapulco stays in Acapulco. <laughs> Fair enough, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, today I thought we would um, discuss uh, putting the fun back in fundamentalism, <laughs> as they say. And um, just today, uh, I don't know if I was the one who alerted you to this, or if you, you had seen you, you, this you, you, already. You're the one who told me about it, yes. But um, there was uh, someone. Uh, I don't know this man, uh, and um, I don't know if we should mention his name. I don't. He, he'll probably never hear this, but it's true of him. So I suppose this guy named Daniel Waters, uh, who uh, wrote a an interesting Facebook uh, post, and uh, basically says to all the quote unquote recovering fundamentalists who are scarred for life. And having trouble coping because you couldn't wear certain clothes, you couldn't listen to certain music, you couldn't watch certain movies and shows, you couldn't go to a movie theater, you couldn't wear your hair a certain way, etc. Why not talk to some of the young people who ride the bus to church and see what their home life is like? And he goes on to describe uh, some of the poorer, you know, folks that uh, have, uh, you know, taken part in bus ministry, which is, of course, a big uh, issue or a big uh, ministry, I should say, in fundamentalist churches, the um, uh, the bus ministry. But um, I just thought it was interesting the way that he addressed those particular issues, and I thought it would be good. Um, I think probably I was a little more ingrained in the social fundamentalist circles than what you were, Gary, but uh, both mm-hmm. of us you grew up in it more, yeah. if I might put it that way. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so um, I thought it would be good for us to maybe address what is, why is he talking about things in this way, and is this really the issue that those of us who have walked away from or would maybe say we are recovering fundamentalists fundamentalist. Uh, is this true? Is this what we would say are the issues? And um, maybe even just begin by describing what fundamentalism is when we're talking about it in this terms, and then maybe unpack that a bit now, uh, together. Yes, and I would, I would like you also, before you go on, a lot of our audience, and I'd say probably a third to a half of it, are people who we have known who have been part of fundamentalist churches or fundamentalist circles who are no longer part of that now. Right. I'm looking at you, Emily Bosma, uh, <laughs> Dale Lynn, all, all of you guys. Uh, and 
I, I, I do think this, this points out a very interesting tension. And I think you and I may even come down on slightly different parts of this. So I'm very interested in that. Sure. But if you want to go ahead and, I mean, please, please, Jason, go ahead and, and define, and if you could make a distinction between theological fundamentalism and cultural fundamentalism. Right. Yeah. Which uh, I think a, a little bit of a history lesson is uh, good to, to help with that. Um, fundamentalism in the theological sense, which is, I think, its purest sense, if I could put it that way, yes, um, became uh, really came to into its own in the early 20th century when um, uh, modern uh, fundamentalism, or, I'm sorry, modern fundamentalism, <laughs> modern liberalism, uh, really began to take root in the uh, mainline churches. Uh, you know, questions like, is the Bible? Uh, inspired, um, what is the way that someone is um, reconciled to God, and, and these kinds of issues uh, came to the fore. And uh, so you think about the uh, four-volume fundamentals set uh, yes. that probably both of us have in our in our libraries, and um, even later in the 20th century, things like the, the Chicago Statement and Inerrancy and, and these kinds of things. Um, there was a sense of wanting to recover a biblical Christianity that um, reflected a um, a um, what's the word I'm looking for a surety, a security that God's word is true, that it is um, it is what it says it is. Those kinds right. of things. In fact, if if you were, do, you remember what the five fundamentals were? Five or six, depending on where you came from. Uh, I I don't know off the top of my well, head. There would so. be like a virgin birth, right? The inerrancy of Scripture, a right. literal physical return of Jesus Christ. Um, there would also be uh, miracles, right? And I know I'm missing another one there. Maybe it's a literal a six day creation. I, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah. But but there is a difference between theological fundamentalism and what we would call cultural fundamentalism that right. came around later. Right, right. So what you have happening uh, after these kind of um, fundamentals are established and are the the issues that are taken up by the conservatives, um, you then begin to see this a fraction of uh, what what you might call personality cults, and I don't mean that in the sense of like a cult cult, but just, you know, what defines your fundamentalism becomes very attached to who you are following, you know, almost like the First Corinthians issue, you know, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos type idea. And so instead of the issues of... Um, those five fundamentals that you were mentioning earlier being the main issues, it becomes then these kinds of um, uh, what do I associate myself with and degrees of separation and things like this. And I believe we've talked about this previously on the podcast, but uh, I'd love to hear. No, I would, I would, you know, I would, I would agree. I, I think we, if we look at cultural fundamentalism, we have to recognize that under that, lays the uh, the uh, twin roads of partiality and tribalism, which run mm -hmm. very closely parallel to one another. There's something within us that causes us to want to belong to a particular tribe. And right. I think fundamental I think cultural fundamentalism, we'll call it C I'll, I'll call it CF or whatever, mm -hmm. um, that 
that gave a place of safety, especially when it came to sanctification. Yeah. Because you didn't have to think as much about your sanctification if you were going through a particular process. Right, right. About whether or not you were going to be like Christ. Right, right, yeah. Um, And part of that was also secondary separation. Yes. And part of it also was I, I was grounded on the need for personal holiness. And to be honest... When it comes to personal holiness, and I, I well, anyway, that that's further down the road. I don't think that in and of itself is something that should ever be derided or turned back. And I think there's elements of secondary separation that, while we don't necessarily want to carry it through, it does well at least to understand what they were trying to accomplish. Sure, sure. So and, ex- and I say that as not a fan of secondary separation. Yeah, so explain that a little bit. What okay. is secondary separation, and why is it something that you could say— we see what they were trying to do. Okay, if you, if you look at it at, in, in its most basic, uh, pure form, especially when you look back in the whole liberal fundamentalist days, and I'll and you would have this church that would say, "Hey, the Bible's not the word of God." Ah, it was Jesus' physical resurrection. Yeah, that, that that's was right. number one. Yeah, and they said the Bible's not the word of God. Jesus did not physically raise from the dead. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's obviously a church where they're not teaching the truth of the gospel. They're they're obviously, you know, uh, in diminishing God. We would all look at that and say, that that is not a good church. That, 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 that's not a group of people obedient to God. But let's say you had someone who was a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church, and they said, you know what, I, I'm still friends with this person. I still like the church. They're not all bad, so we're still doing things together. Mm-hmm. What Second Separation originally did, and I don't know if I can fault this too much, is you would look at the judgment of that guy and say, do you have a lot of discernment? I mean, it is it is one thing to say, hey, this guy's my friend, or mm-hmm. we go out and have lunch sometimes together. It's another thing to say that a church that says Jesus did not rise from the dead is a good church. Yeah. That's not discernment. Right. I worry about you. Right, right. If, if, if you just stick right there— yeah. That's fine. Right. But it didn't stay there. Right, right. It turned to where, well, he uses canned music. Right. And if you like him because he uses canned music, it must mean that there's something wrong with you. Right, right. And it turned into something totally different, a type of Phariseeism, if mm-hmm. I may. Mm-hmm. I've been reading through John 9 this week. So, mm. you know, the the idea of, of tradition over biblical mandate. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. And rather than saying this person lacks discernment, we said they said you are not of our tribe. Right, right. And it turned into something very ugly and very different. Yeah, so the issue of theology, so theological fundamentalism turned into cultural fundamentalism where the cultural cues were the way in which you decided who you separated from yes. versus the theological. Because I think we would rightly say look, we're not going to partner in uh, gospel ministry with someone who doesn't believe the gospel or doesn't yes, preach yes, that Jesus— Yes, who says the Bible's not the Word of God. the Word of God, those, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, so where we would look at a um, an argument like between Lloyd-Jones and Stott about sort of who you partner with right. and ecumenism and, and those kinds of things and, and side with Lloyd-Jones, that was a theological issue. Right. In, in fact, if we were to give an example, for instance, if I started really enjoying the company of a church that, as Jason said, that 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 denied inerrancy, did this and that, and I, I say this in total seriousness, Jason would probably stop doing the podcast with me. 
Right. And he would be justified in doing that. Right. But before that, there yes. would be a conversation, yes. right? Like, oh, you know, there, Gary, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. would beat me with yeah. a bat with a nail in it. <laughs> Say, have you had enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's also where some of this, and we'll get into, I think, this list in just a minute here, but I think that's where some of this, it's kind of like, um, you know, we're calling we're going to call this person out before we ever have a conversation with them yes. is kind of the place where it has right in the last goodness 70 years really at this point right. uh, kind of kind of gone to you know right. i remember when and i may have used this illustration even on the podcast before but when i was talking with one of my professors at moody about fundamentalism and and he had gotten saved in a fundamentalist uh, church and he said, look, in our circles, it was not a problem for mixed bathing or for the girls to even wear two-piece bathing suits, which, of course, were my tribe, that was like Ichabod, you know. Right. So so you even amongst fundamentalists begin to have these factions and, and different right. camps. Which, and which, so. which, how did it show itself? When, and I thought about this this last weekend. We were talking about it before we came on the podcast. It was in the various fundamentalist colleges. Right, right. The the colleges determined what yes. type of fundamentalist you were. Right, right. Bob Jones, Pensacola, Hiles, Anderson, right. Maranatha. Right. I could go on and on and on. Yeah, it, that's, it, that that's that that told you us where you were in the uh, oh, what do you call it taxonomy? Yeah. Of fundamentalism. Right, right. Back by to what my college? personality, you know, cult kind of thing. You know, yes. it would be am I of Hiles? Am I of Horton? Am I of you know, whoever, Bob Jones, yeah. yeah, Bob Jones, whoever the, the case may be. Um, and, uh, yeah, so what you run into then is sort of the um, different pharisaical schools. You know, yes. are you of Gamaliel? Are you of, you know, the kind of things we even see in Scripture where, um, you know, the the standard becomes the tradition versus the Scriptures, which you just mentioned right. a minute ago. So even as we look at something like this list— um, there it doesn't determine which you know category you fall into to say you couldn't wear certain clothes. This is very general when it comes to fundamentalism because right. from one group to another it would be indeterminative. You know, right. did you wear culottes a, as a girl in in your you know youth group? Uh, did they allow you to wear um, only skirts and, and 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 you know these kinds of things? And so. Uh, when the external becomes the standard, which is what we're talking about here, is when we really get into trouble. So, so Gary, what's the matter with what this gentleman has said here? You know what, though? And this is may maybe where you and I come looking at this. And I, I say this as, as one who's been through fundamentalism. I was a fundamentalist youth pastor, even pastor, for a while. Um I kind of agree with what he's saying in a general sense where it's like, okay, your parents made you wear culottes or they didn't let you listen to Steve Green or, <laughs> you know, you, you weren't allowed to see PG movies at the theater, but you could watch them on DVD at home. You That's know? right. Yeah. And all, all, all of that. Yeah. There, there's a few things to keep in mind. Number one. 99%, well, let's say 90% of the time, pastors and parents did it out of love. That didn't make it right. Right. But they did it because they felt as if it was the best thing. Now, I say this as a parent with almost all of my kids out of the house. 
I look back at things I've done in the past and I realize, oh man, I screwed up here or I screwed up there. I didn't do this right and that sure. right. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of the parents that feel that way now. So, yeah. Well, and your kids have emailed that to me yes, too. Yes, that so. they have. They're like, please, Jason, <laughs> rescue us. We need to be deprogrammed. Um, and I, I, I think in one sense, I, I, I have no problem with someone who sits there and says, you know what, I grew up fundamentalism in, in fundamentalism at KGVO Church. I, I, I didn't understand this. I didn't understand that. I have the wrong view of works and righteousness. Yeah. All totally legit. Yeah. But for someone to say, you know what, I didn't have a Backstreet Boys CD, and I really feel like that yeah. that was just something horrible missing out of my life. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. That, that I agree with, and I see, I won't say a cottage industry with it, but I do see some of that. We're mm-hmm. saying, you know what? Hey, your your mom and dad got it wrong, and your pastor got it wrong. Right. Chances are they've changed their mind now, and you're going to get it wrong somewhere. Absolutely. And and when you see real abuse, in fact, my yeah. wife just got through reading the book uh, about the lady who was raised in Mormonism. Her dad was a survivalist, um, and she ended up going to Cambridge. It's a fascinating story she tells me about. It was, she she told me about it. And I listened to some of it. And there are some parallels there, mm-hmm. but there are people who've been genuinely abused. Now, I think this guy is—I—I—I—I I, 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 I don't agree with where he's ultimately trying to take this. Right, right. But I do agree with the fact that a lot of times that we consider abuse according to this, because I, you know, I couldn't wear shorts or right, and I whatever. Think, and I think the responses that I've seen to this is exactly that. They're saying the these are not the issues that we're yes. taking with fundamentalism. Yes. The issue that we're taking with this sort of cultural fundamentalism is that, um, you know, I was um, these these were not things I missed out on. Rather, these were the things that were the standard by which I was a Christian or not. Yes. And and that's that's the issue, I think, at the end of the day. Well, and you, you, you make an interesting point with that. I was talking with someone recently about whether their child was a believer. A child was a certain age, a teenager. And uh, they said, well. This person does performs music in church, so mm-hmm. I, I think they're a Christian. And mm-hmm. and it's funny how you just stop and say no. Right. That that's not the way God looks at it. Does the person have a growing love for Jesus? Right. Right. And yeah. how we kind of default to that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So the lens through which we look at someone and say this person is following Christ is not the lens of you know what kind of clothes they're wearing or how they wear their hair or these kinds of things. Back to your point of growth and holiness yes. um, that, that you made earlier. And and so, yeah, you know, the way that we address this with our kids is every family has standards. Yes. And they may differ from us in our standards. Um, but, you know, modesty is a real thing. And we need to address that in our family, how we think it is right. But we're not going to judge family B over there. Uh, because um, you know their their daughter wears an actual bikini instead of a tankini or you know something along those lines. Um, now let me ask you this: How do you draw the line between judging and deciding what's wise and not wise? Yeah, I mean, so that's a great question that I'd love to hear you answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I think that those conversations that we have we have in our family. And um, we discuss the idea of discernment and conviction and what is right for um, you as you are growing older. We recognize that 
you know, because the, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but <laughs> the, the United States says at 18 you're an adult. Right. right. So, um, but we still have those conversations of, you know, as long as you're living in our home and we are providing certain things for you so that you can survive, <laughs> um, you know, we would ask that you would abide by the things that we're asking you to do. But now, well, let's make this a little bit more uncomfortable then. Sure. What if you have someone in your church, and we'll go with the whole modesty thing. I was in Florida this last weekend, so it's, mm-hmm. it's fresh in my mind. What if you have somebody in your church where you have someone dressing very immodestly in the right, church? Right, But they, I mean, at what point do you say, this isn't judging, this right, is... Right, right. And... It's great. Be, be, because what's the first thing you're going to be accused of? Yeah, of judging, of, you know, of uh, perhaps lusting, or, you know, it's not my problem, it's your problem kind oh, of a heavens. deal. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you see those arguments out there. Um, yeah, I think that you have to, um, I mean, first of all, I would I would hope that the women in the church, if we're talking about women, would address that okay. first. Uh, do you think it's possible? I think it's possible for men to be immodest as well in, in different ways and those kind of things. But well, I, would, I've got my thong. I wish you wouldn't have brought that. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those 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 beach pictures were a little too revealing, Gary. <laughs> no, but out, yeah. and out on the beach with an ostomy bag, it was awesome. <laughs> oh my! Um, but you know, I yeah, I think that we have to address those things as um, th- these are. You know, we are a family. We are a community here. We're asking you to be careful about what you're wearing and and, and those kinds of things. You know, um, but yeah, you address it in a sh- in a shepherding way, not yeah. in a creepy way. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> not I, alone. I, 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 it, it's it's odd because I mean, there there's so much history of that talking with fundamentalist friends of mine and how they deal with modesty on the other end. I just went, finished sure. a book, uh, The Girls of Afghanistan, talking about um, mm-hmm. the role of women in Afghanistan and how they are treated. And I'm thinking, wow, fundamentalists have it pretty e- I mean, people talk about The Handmaid's Tale. Right, right. You look yeah. at Afghanistan. It's, okay, right. Okay, guys, the United States is is, is not doing this. Yeah. Um, but I – and this is part of a larger picture – I don't think the problem with fundamentalism, and this is where we make the mistake, I don't think the problem with fundamentalism, cultural fundamentalism specifically, mm-hmm. is tied in with, with, with personal standards. It's tied in with the idea that once I've decided these are the personal standards for me, I have to do two things. First of all, I remain totally static. I never re-examine it again. Right, right. And then I apply to everybody around me. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. And that is an issue. Be, be, because, to, to be quite honest, I do run into friends and acquaintances in churches that have contemporary music, non-expository preaching, and they say things and talk about things within their church that sound like Jack Hiles. Right. <laughs> if, 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 if I may say, where they treat it the same way, like, we have come to this point, right. and this is the way it's going to be, and we're not going to move, and this is the way that we judge everyone else's spirituality. Sure. Yeah. And I'm thinking, my word, you sound like a fundamentalist. Right, I mean, right. you really do, a cultural fundamentalist. Yeah, there's legalism on, on all oh, kinds. Of levels, it is all right? over the place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think that that is um, something that uh, we have to be careful of, regardless of how we chat about this. Is the idea that we can become legalists very, uh, very, very quickly? Um, one of the things that sort of 
um, sort of grieves me and, and my pastor's heart is to see people or friends of mine that that's all they've ever known is cultural yes. fundamentalism. And that's what they think the church is across the board. And to see them jump from, well, I guess I can't be a Christian because I don't feel convicted about this or that, or I want to wear pants if I'm a girl or right. whatever the case may be. And uh, to, to find them just ju- kind of jumping ship because they yes. think this is the only this is the way church is regardless, if that makes sense. They throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. They torch the baby. And they just don't know. That's well, the thing that concerns me is they just don't have a, a context for understanding that, you know, um, this isn't the way it is at Calvary Church or at Fellowship Church or, you know, these, we just don't, we don't hold on to those things that way. But they think that's the way it is across the board. It, it is weird we had, and I, I've mentioned this before, and I'll say this very briefly, then I'll move on to the main point. We had someone come to Calvary and visit it once, and they said, I don't think I like your 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 your, your church because you seem very legalistic. I'm like, how are we legalistic at all? He goes, because you use more traditional music. I yeah. said, but that's what our people like, and they'll, you know, they'll play other things. Well, traditional equals legalistic. Right. And I'm like, well, but is, aren't yeah. you being legalistic yeah. <laughs> by saying that's what we have to use if we don't use your type of music? Right. But anyway, to, to the bigger thing, my my one of my biggest issues with fundamentalism, and to any of my friends out there who are fundamentalists, I'm going to say some things that may be very frustrating, but I believe that are true. Number two, fundamentalism, cult, cultural fundamentalism, it sucks the joy out of the Christian life. It, right. it totally sucks it dry. Yeah. It, it makes you happy with the wrong things. Right. Number two, it does not give you the capacity to suffer in a godly fashion. Mm. It, it, mm. Just, it just doesn't. Be, be, because for one thing, and it's interesting. I'd be I'd be interested to see how long expository preaching and fundamental and cultural fundamentalism can last in the same dojo. Right, right, yeah. I mean, sooner or later, something has to give. Yes, especially if you're sticking with the text. And I believe yep. expository preaching wrecks fundamentalism. And you know, for all of my whining about Bob Jones, sometimes Bob Jones has been moving out yes. of cultural fundamentalism. And I think that is due in part to their their renewed commitment over the last ten years, let's say, to cultural fundamentalism. Not, yeah, not to, to uh, expository, expository preaching. preaching. But Pensacola, yeah. um oh what else? West Coast Bible College, uh even Maranatha on some extent, which are pretty much the ones left, Yeah, they don't have that same commitment yeah. to expository preaching. Yeah, I think Maranatha is starting to move to, um, Northland certainly did before it kind of blew up. blew up and then reconstructed into what it is today. Yeah, no, that's exactly, uh, that's exactly right. And we have evidences of that with like Central, Kevin Bowder, yes. those kind of guys that would still call, call themselves theological fundamentalists. Yes. And uh, we would have much in common with those guys um, in, in regard to that, but, you know, um, you know, even being at the church, the conference on the church on God or whatever that yeah. was in Rockford yeah. that we went to together that one time to hear Bowder talk yeah. about, you know, Hey, um, social drinking is not a problem. You know, yes. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> you know, and it's like, okay. And he was very clear about, he, he didn't think that hard liquor was something we should imbibe and, and those yeah. kinds of things. But I was just pleased to hear you know, uh, while I had my uh, Colt forty in my hand, that uh, that <laughs> he brought it that... out for the homies. <laughs> but you know, one of the lines in this um, 
Facebook post that, that Daniel Waters put out that I thought was really inter- interesting is he says, the fact is you're trying just trying to yes. justify and your that's where I rebellion. That's right? where I disagree, man. Yeah, yeah. So this idea that if you are against the man of God or against the King James Version or cultural fundamentalism, as we would call it, they would call it old-time religion, which is totally ignorant of church history, by the way. <laughs> um you know, uh, you know, and then he goes on to say, if you want to go to a more progressive church and live a carnal lifestyle, then do it. And and so then how do you define rebellion and how do you define carnal? Yes. And, and, and that's the issue, is it not, that we're talking about uh, when we're talking about cultural fundamentalism? And, and how does that change from tribe to tribe? And, 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 you know, let's just say, as an example, you have John Smith, who's in a fundamentalist church in Florida, and all of a sudden, he moves cross country to Seattle, Washington, and fundamentalism over there, cultural fundamentalism, looks totally different. And he's just s- swimming in a morass of what is it I'm supposed to believe about these things? Right. You know, he he, right. he could find himself homeless, uh, ch- you know, church wise, in in and when he can't find that the cookie cutter that he's used right. to. Right. Does that make sense? No, no, I, I totally understand because culture keeps shifting. Right. And and my I mean cultural fundamentalism is incapable of examining sanctification as things change because right. it's always looking to the external. Yes. It, I mean that's that's one reason. And well I, I was looking at at Pensacola. Pensacola used to lock down everything, mm-hmm. you know, communication, everything. And what changed everything? Cell phones came along, right? Smartphones, especially, and they right. knew they couldn't lock things yeah. down anymore. Yeah, that's right. It just became you totally can't Im- monitor Im- Im- everything impossible. all the time, right? Yeah, and so you actually had to redefine and look at at okay, what is holiness? Whereas the rest of the Christian world or section of it, it said, okay, how do we look at technology? How do we grow Christ like now that we have streaming or? Or, or now that we have the capacity for this, this, and this, we need to start looking at this and yeah. training our children how to deal with it. And fundamentalism is always 10 to 20 years behind cultural right. fundamentalism because they've not gone to the root of God's Word and looked at the principles. They've gone at the application. And applications always change. It's such a great—that's such a great uh, point, Gary, and it does not allow for— discipleship the way that the Bible describes discipleship. Um, You know what I mean by that? Because you're not turning to the scriptures with someone and reasoning with them. You're turning to the, we just don't do that kind of a list uh, versus no, how do you sanctify your mind and not look at what you can look at on your phone? Right. Because we can't lock that down anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Those or, those or, kind or, of things. Or, or listen to the music that you Right. Know. Or, or or the whole purity movement. I mean, right. I, I right. believe in marital purity. I really yes. do believe, but we right. made the mistake yeah. of of pushing purity to the point where and I've seen this happen time and time again. Kids get married and they have no idea why sex is wonderful. Right, right. They have no sure. idea what what's the role of the orgasm. What, right. What's I mean, why did God create? Have to all beat of that these out later things? for our fundamentalist no. listeners. <laughs> no, but but but, but the sense yeah. of of you know and what Ephesians says, yeah. what it says about the church and all of that. Yeah. And there wasn't a healthy ongoing right conversation about it. Rather, there was some type of weird seven brides for seven brothers courtship duel. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm throwing every cultural reference I can find no, in the book at that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but no, that's such a good point because um, if I can, um, 
if I can just put up the boundaries, I don't have to worry about discipleship. Yes. Because discipleship is messy. It is. It's messy. And you have to constantly revisit things. So what does the, the fundamentalist school do when you cross a certain line? There's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no let's work with this person. It's, now, I, you're I, out. I will say, there, and I, I think even West Coast is this way, too. I don't know about Isles. I think West Coast, Pensacola, I have heard there have been changes along good. those lines. Good. I have heard there's been definite that. changes, and I've, I've been very thankful yeah. for that. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, well, we are at the end of our time here, and there's much more that could be said. Um, <laughs> All of our fundamentalist friends are like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe we can uh, revisit this in another episode and, and talk about some more of these things, Gary. But um, for for just coming to the end of our time, is there anything more that you wanted to say or address? It just, I, it, it, I would, with... It isn't a question of Calvinism. It isn't a question of, of of schools. It's and I will say it goes down to expository preaching. Yeah, that shapes the character of the church so more good. than anything else. Once you follow the text wherever it takes you, you shackle it, you, it to you. It doesn't allow for any sort of legalism, but it does demand personal holiness. It demands a relationship. Right. It demands growth in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Gary, I was uh, just praying for you, and one of the prayer requests that you often ask, I love this, is that your church would understand true community and true discipleship. And uh, not not because they don't, but you want them to continue to right. grow in that, and that's one of the things that when I pray for you, I pray about. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and, and, and that's, the, that's the attitude we need to, I think, take up. And, and I do, I really grieve for my friends who are still wrapped up in that cultural fundamentalism or those who have fled because they think that's all there is. Yes, and, and they turn their back yeah. on the gospel altogether. Right, exactly. And exactly. That's, that's heartbreaking. It is, it is. Well, listen, uh, we are wide open to questions, comments, criticism, criticisms about this, uh, please uh, reach out to us through our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Radio, or you can comment on this episode. Even if you're listening to it on iTunes, you can go back to our website, wallcarpradio.wordpress.com and make a comment on this episode, and we will respond to that. Uh, we will actually come back and talk about it on our a podcast if that's what it takes to interact with you on this or even have you on the podcast or have you on to discuss these matters that's Except right for dale although yeah. dale's not <laughs> we need to have dale we on as do. a guest yes and 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 just explore that brother's mind <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh listen thanks for uh checking out the show and we really do we really would love to hear from you and, and give us ideas as well until next time we'll catch you then yep.